Welcome to the Should Have Bet More podcast presented by Goal Boys. Busy day, a lot to do. Steve Fezzik, professional better, will join us. We will discuss Wild Card Weekend, get his thoughts on the national championship game, get into some other things with Steve. So excited to talk to him. And the playoffs are set. That's where we start. We'll just go through the matchups here. The lines are out. The matchups are set. It was a little bit of a ho-hum Sunday in terms of Week 18. Uh, and we'll get to that. It was fun if you had some of these win totals just sweating. He's out until the very last game, the very last play in a few of these cases. But the matchups are set. We'll just go in order here. It's interesting. The AFC games are all first. So you get three AFC games, three NFC games. I don't remember that ever happening. It's just uh, the way it worked for whatever reason in terms of getting the games they want and time slots they want. And we'll start with the Browns are laying two and a half on Saturday afternoon, 430 Eastern against the Texans. So Browns, Texans, Browns laying two and a half, total 44. This is a rematch they played. You remember on Christmas Eve, Browns won the game 36-22. Then Saturday night, it's going to be Chiefs, Dolphins. It's hard to believe one of these teams, the Chiefs or the Dolphins, which you know, they played back in November. Chiefs won 21-14 in Germany. And these teams were like the darlings of the league when they met. Maybe, hey, two of the three or four best teams in the league. One of these teams is going to go home this season without winning a playoff game. So Chiefs minus three and a half, total 42 and a half. That is Saturday night. Might get some weather, some snow. It's the projected temperature is one degree. So that'll be interesting. Then Sunday afternoon, Pitt is laying up. Pitt is getting nine and a half. So Bills, Steelers, Bills minus nine and a half uh, against the Steelers. The Bills get the two seed. After just a month or so ago, they were like five to one to make the playoffs. They're like the 11 seed. They went out and they heard the two seed. So they're laying a big number, the biggest spread of the weekend, nine and a half against the Steelers. Sunday afternoon, 430 Eastern. Dallas is laying seven and a half against the Packers. Those teams have not met this year. Uh, total 49 and a half there. Bill Steelers, by the way, have not met this year either. Then Sunday night, 815 or so. Lions laying three against the Rams. That's an, another interesting matchup. Stafford back. In Detroit, first time for Detroit hosting a playoff game in 30-something years, and they see their old buddy Stafford Goff against his old team. So a lot of storylines there. I actually like the Lions. I think that line's a little cheap. I know we were talking about this game for weeks as a possible matchup and say, hey, if it's five and a half, if it's six, do you take the Rams? That's a lot of points. But at three, I feel like this is a little disrespectful to Detroit. I think Detroit does have the better team here. And then the Monday night game, Eagles laying two and a half against Tampa. I'm sure we'll all bet it because it's the only game on. It's a playoff game, but my goodness, I don't want anything to do with either one of these teams. Eagles lay a total egg against the Giants. They look awful. Looks like there's going. Looks like there's a lot more going on with them than just football issues, and they have plenty of football issues. Hurts is banged up. The defense is bad. And then Tampa. Tampa wasn't anything uh, impressive in, in their win against the Panthers. Panthers really could have won that game. Should have maybe I don't know if should have won that game, but they fumble going into the end zone for no reason early. They get another touchdown wiped off. Carolina did, and they miss a field goal. So Carolina, I mean Carolina and Tampa, that was not an, an easy win at all for Tampa. Tampa has not been impressive. And man, you watch Carolina, it's like pulling teeth just trying to get them to move the ball first down. They are brutal on offense. And I think overall, you know, I love Week 18. It's my favorite week of the year. I think the fact, and this is a recent thing where they put the games on Saturday in Week 18. They've always done it late in the year, but they never did it Week 18. They always put everything on Sunday. And it's a trade-off because you love having the games on Saturday. That was fun Saturday sitting there with, with you know, if you're in the East Coast, bad weather, snow coming down, and you're watching Pittsburgh-Baltimore, which is meaningful. And then later, Texans-Colts, which is a playoff game, play-in game. That's fun. You get meaningful games on a Saturday. It's the best. But it does take away a little bit Sunday because Sunday wake up, and 
you know, I wonder if, if the NFL could have done this a little differently if they would have, if they would have put Jags Titans in the Sunday night game, because once the Jags lost, that was the fulcrum game. That was the swing game. The Jags losing set the AFC field. Now Bill's Dolphins would play for the division. They play for seating and seating obviously matters. You'd rather host the Steelers if you're Buffalo than go on the road. But you would have had the drama. If you put Jacksonville in the Sunday night game, you would have had the drama of, all right, if Jacksonville wins, they're in. If Jacksonville loses, Pittsburgh's in. So you would have had, you would have, it would have just, you would have had more on the line. You would have had two teams involved. You would have had more drama, more tension if that was a winning in scenario. I think the, the NFL made a gamble that, hey, Jacksonville will win and then Buffalo will be sitting there playing for their lives on Sunday. And that would have made it so interesting. Oh my God. If they win, they're the two, if they lose, they're out. That would have made that game so much more uh, compelling last night uh, against Miami as as Buffalo does win. One of the big takeaways from the day, I I think you could put both these guys in the same box. I know there are not a lot of quarterbacks to go around and you can't just start chucking these top 10, top 12 quarterback to the side, but boy, I'd be very careful about paying two guys Tua and Trevor Lawrence. I'd be very, very careful. And I know it's the way of the league and how it's how it works, uh, especially Tua. I feel like Tua is just propped up by you know, Miami basically has like the 19 fastest people you've ever seen in your life all on one team. So it's easy. Guys are open. McDaniel can scheme them open. But that just seems their whole operation seems very fragile. When Waddle goes out, Mostert goes out. I mean, it's just, Hill came out of the game late last night, and it was just you didn't feel like Tua was going to get him in the end zone. It's, it, it's schemed up so well for Tua. Boy, I'd be careful about paying him a lot of money where you're gonna have to start taking away from the rest of the team. And it's you know, time to pay him. He's this is year four now, he's in the league. And boy, if they lose to Kansas City, that is just a bitter disappointment, a bitter end to their season. And you really have to ask some big picture questions here where it's like, hey, you know, can we really win this way? Now I'm sure it's the NFL. They're gonna say, Hey, we won our what they win 11 games. We won our 11 games. We almost won a division. We'll just run it back. That's probably what they're gonna do. That's probably the correct answer, but and who knows, maybe they go into Kansas City, they win, and you feel differently about it. But, boy, Tua and Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence, you could say he's banged up. I, I've never been a believer that he's this next great generational player. Again, there's not that many of these quarterbacks to go around. You watch the league, and you know even guys like Herbert, who I would take, a lot of people would take, there's questions about him. So, I mean, there's only five, six, seven, eight quarterbacks you really love, and even those guys, the Allens of the world, the Prescotts of the world, they're up and down. Rodgers is older it's hard to just say, hey, I got a, dec- a pretty good quarterback. I'm going to kick him to the side. But, boy, I'd be careful about paying two. I'd be very careful about tr- paying Trevor Lawrence. Both of those guys were just were not very good yesterday. Lawrence was awful. I mean, he missed Ridley in what would have uh, put them in position to at least tie the game. That was a horrible loss for Jacksonville. And it did take a little steam out of the rest of the day. I mean, once Jacksonville lost that game, you, you had the AFC field set. You kind of, at least I wasn't too wrapped up in, all right, it's going to be either Seattle or Green Bay. Somebody's going to get in. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not dying to, uh, you know, know who's going to get in between those two teams. I don't think either one's beating Dallas anyway. I know Seattle did play them tough, but I just thought it was a little, a little deflating once Jacksonville lost. It set everything up where it's like, all right, most of these teams are in. We know what's going to go on. Bucks, Carolina, like I mentioned, was an absolute bore. If Carolina could have just won and they really, if you watch that game, they really could have won that game. Shark fumbles it going in when he reaches for the end zone. He had no need to. It would have been first and goal inside the one. Just go out of bounds. These guys reach for the end zone and fumble and just uh, screw up their entire, you know, it's just so, it's so penalizing to to lose the ball entirely. Just take the ball at the one and and don't reach for the end zone. I know it's easy for me to say sitting here, but man, Carolina could have won that game. That would have put the Saints in. I feel like the Saints winning the division would have been a little more interesting. They at least have some more players but not to be Tampa's in and New Orleans did one of the wilder things. I still haven't seen the play, but 
I've, I saw the reaction. I saw the coaches and, and Arthur Smith getting uh, in, in the face of Dennis Allen. And honestly, rightfully so. New Orleans, at the end of the game, takes a knee. Allen tells them to take a knee, and they fake the knee, and they run it for a touchdown. And Jameis Winston after the game says, hey, we wanted to get our guy a touchdown. That is that is bizarre. That is Bush League. You have a right to be mad about that. But uh, the rest of the games, you know, uh, it, it's week 18, so not all the games meant something you know you get the the browns Bengals of the world you get the rams 49ers of the world there were some of these win totals that came down to the wire philly at what point was 10 and a half and it got bet and it moved to 11 and a half and guess what at 10 and one you better have gotten the best of the number because it goes over the 10 and a half it stays under the 11 and a half arizona was another one three and a half four and a half depends on when you bet it where you bet it and they were at four and they had a seven point lead and they were in field goal range and they're about to win their fifth game, missed the field goal. Seattle gets a touchdown, says, screw it. We're out of the playoffs because Green Bay had already won. They go for two. They get it. So Seattle wins. And I think their number was around eight and a half, nine and a half, too. So Seattle goes right in the middle. Arizona goes right in the middle, under four and a half, over three and a half. So, man, it's amazing. You bet these win totals, you know, sometimes back in the spring, summer for people that play them. And it comes down to the last game, the last play, a kick. Because Arizona misses another kick that would have won the game. So there was a lot of drama uh, in terms of that. And, you know, it, it's, I, I would just I haven't really dug into these matchups yet. But to me, the highlight game is the Chiefs and the Dolphins, just because, man, the idea that one of those teams is going home is, is hard to really conceive. I don't know that I can lay three and a half with Mahomes, but I don't know that I want any part of Miami outdoors, beat up. It just seems like a lot of these teams are limping into the playoffs. The Eagles, the the Bucks, obviously the Chiefs, the Dolphins. It feels like a lot of these teams have just not backdoored into the playoffs, but you don't have a lot of confidence in, in a few of these teams. I would say right now, the division round probably, and this would be a hell of a round if we get it. I'll say it's probably Eagles 49ers, Cowboys Lions. That would be, you'd expect the 49ers to win Dallas. Detroit, a rematch from that game on Saturday night a few weeks ago. That would be fun. We'd have to hear all about that call for another uh, whole week, which wouldn't want, but that would be a fun divisional round in the NFC. And then the AFC, I'll guess it's going to be Browns, Ravens, and and Chiefs, Bills. And Chiefs, Bills would be awesome. Mahomes' first road game in his career on the play in the playoffs. All the playoff history of the Bills losing to the Chiefs. Can they finally get over the hump and beat the Chiefs and get to an AFC title game? And then Baltimore-Cleveland with everything, their history, the division, the Flacco story, going back to Baltimore. Baltimore-Cleveland, I mean, that would be an awesome division around if we get those four. Casey-Buffalo, Cleveland-Baltimore, Philly-San Fran, Dallas-Detroit. I think that, I mean, look, it's predicting a bunch of games. And it's, you know, there's there's six games this weekend, so any one of those doesn't go to play. I mean, that screws up the whole bracket. And, and of course, in the NFL, they do re-bracket, they do reseed, so... Um, a, a lot still to be determined, but if you got that as your elite eight is your division around matchups, boy, that, that would be great for the NFL. That would be a lot of fun to watch if we got those, but coming up next, we will talk to Steve Fezzik, get his thoughts on wildcard weekend, the national title game. He was in this circuit contest. I'm sure some people were familiar with it. Followed 5,300 people. You make five picks a week against the spread. He was in first at one point. I think he went into yesterday, still clinging to top 10. So he did very well. I'll find out how he did on that. Get his thoughts on these games, the national title game. I will give my pick and my thought at the end on, on Michigan-Washington. I do have a pick. I do have a play, so I'll give that at the end. Stick around to hear what Fez has to say. All right, we are back. Should have bet more podcast. A very special guest, two-time Westgate Super Contest champion from pregame.com. You can hear him on the Even Money podcast. It is the GOAT, 
Steve Fezzik. Steve, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. So I likened this morning to like March Madness, the Monday before the, um, I guess the Sunday before the selection committee. And it's like, this is the resume I will be submitting to the various sports books. And we'll see what's worthy of a financial bid or a big financial bid. So I'll be submitting a 57, 32 and one to circa millions and see if that gets me what seed that gets me probably about 15th place. And I'll be submitting a 21, 10 and one to the Westgate season win contest to see if that puts me in the money. And of course I'll be submitting my investor share of Greg Jones survivor. He wants 20, you know, I think that'll likely get us a bid to the big dance at a number one seed. The committee can't screw you over on a 20-0. So let's just, we'll start with Circa. You were right around the top, I want to say tied for first, maybe a half game out a few weeks ago. You think you're going to finish 15th? Is that, are you relieved, happy, disappointed? Some combination of the three? Where are you at with the Circa in terms of- Oh, bitterly disappointed, of course. Never got the lead. I had three separate chances to be able to take the lead on primetime games. And I and I beg, I went 0 for 3 on those games. But frankly- if there's one relief when you fit it, well, and I finished 25 games above 500 and I maxed, I think at 28 above 500, but I went back during my home run years. This shows how difficult it has become. And my home run years, I won back to back in Westgate. Now there was one fewer weeks, but I scored 53 and a half and 56 and a half. And so this year I scored 57 and a half. So if you take a take, take back, you know, two and a half from that, I, I would have been 55 in a 16 game um, contest, seven in 17 game contest. So basically I performed the same as I did when I won my two championships, but frankly, it's just too many guys. It's like the main event. You can't slip up any one week anymore. And Saints 31 ultimately won, I believe was 61 and a half points, no 62 and a half. So I was five games out. I mean, even if I went back and and there's a couple games I regretted, at most I would have finished like eighth. So um, there really was um, not that big of a financial hit for any one selection or mistake I made. Uh, let's get into the games. Is there any? I'll just I'll give you I'll give, leave it dealer's choice. What do you like the best? Is there one game that you like more than the others for Wild Card Weekend here? Now I'm controversial this way because everyone else that you will interview loves like multiple games. And they'll, they'll outline all the reasons. I am a huge believer that the market is approximately correct on almost every single game. I, I give out my power ratings. They're public. You compute what the number would be based on my power ratings. It's so rare you get a number, you know, that's off. Now, having said that, I mean, I bet a bunch of stuff, but they're but they're long gone. Um, the weather is going to be so cold in Kansas City. I, I bet personally under 46. That was long gone, but it blipped back up to 44. I think you could bet under 44. I think that five degree weather forecast, the fish, you cannot bet Miami in five degrees. Anyone who's watched the Miami hurricanes, how many times do you watch like in the sun bowl and everyone's shivering or they're playing in New York in some bowl game, they don't want to be there. Um, so I, I think that it's chiefs or nothing clearly in that game. Um, and like I said, I would play the under uh, the Buffalo totals down to 35 and a half. It opened 43 and pulling back the curtain, this is, the pros make money by betting really stupid numbers. Vegas doesn't know. Vegas has no clue what they're doing when they're setting numbers. That's just a complete myth. Vegas knows by the time the game kicks off because the sharp bettors tell them where they screwed up. So I bet under 43 on that Buffalo game first thing in the morning. And now it's 
it's 35 and a half. So good luck trying to win playing under there. Teasers, um, Stanford Wong, Sharp Sports Betting, read that book, read his chapter on teasers, and he'll talk about how home favorites like Dallas of seven and a half, teased down to one and a half, are so attractive. But I got to tease them with something. I could probably tease Tampa Bay. The Eagles are playing so lousy. You could tease Tampa from two and a half up to eight and a half. That would be a teaser I certainly would recommend. We'll just go around the board and you just give me, you know, a 30 second thought. We'll just, we'll go lightning around here with the rest of the games. Either a thought on it, where you think the line closes Browns right now, two and a half. There are some three starting to pop up uh, at the Texans total 43 and a half. These teams did play on Christmas Eve. Browns beat them 36, 22. Any initial thoughts, Browns, Texans. I think Flacco is going to throw an interception. I think that he's um, been a gunslinger, been way, way, way better than I ever would, would have believed, but he's throwing the ball down the field. So I could see him making a mistake. If it got to three, um, I would probably play Houston. Yeah, and I think, do you, do you think it does close three? I think it closes 2.75. What do I mean by that? There'll be some two and a halves and some threes. And the truth is, if you lay two and a half and you take three on every game, you pretty much break even. So games like that, and you could argue Philly Tampa kind of falls into that bucket, are games you should spend a whole lot of time handicapping on because you're basically playing big free if you have enough outs. Chiefs Dolphins, you mentioned Steelers Bills. We're up to 10 here. A any thought on the side? Is 10 too much? The, the playoff favorites, especially the double-digit ones, historically, from what I remember, do do pretty well because they're motivated, they're focused. Any thought on this one? Number looks right to me. I think, um, you know, we saw Najee Harris get all the usage in bad weather um, versus Warren, and I'm sure it's going to be bad weather in Buffalo. So if you're going to bet running back props, you know, I, I'd be bullish on Najee and I'd be bearish on, on Warren because of the weather. Packers, Cowboys, Cowboys laying seven and a half. That's obviously people are going to love to tease the Cowboys here. A any thoughts on this game other than a teaser for Dallas? Um, every day I'm betting more and more Dallas Cowboy teasers. Yes. What movie is that from? What reference? Every day I'm eating more and more hot dogs. Oh, I don't think I know that one. That's Bill Murray talking to fats before the eating contest in the movie Meatballs, 1970s. Okay. Okay. This is your year, Fats. The stomach doesn't want it bad enough. Uh, we're starting to see, uh, speaking of games around three, three and a half, three and a half just popped up, Lions, Rams. You know, I thought, it's interesting, we're talking about this game for weeks because as a possible matchup, I thought maybe five, five and a half. I was surprised to see three. Do you, do you have any thought here, the Lions and Rams? I made it three. So I got the Rams three points better than an average team. The Lions are about four and a half better. Point and a half difference. One and a half for home field gets me to three. Um, you know, I will comment on, we've got two games lined with a total of 50 or above and pros love really low total to, uh, totals and really high total totals because the normal pricing doesn't apply to those games on the prop market, which I won't go into great detail, but you know what I'm talking about in terms of what we're going to be betting for, I, I believe, in terms of things like uh, longest touchdown, shortest touchdown, stuff like that. You're good at like the sort of the things that are hard to quantify. How do you factor in the fact that McVay knows golf Stafford returns to Detroit? Is this all noise? Does this matter to you handicapping this game? Oh, I'm actually bad at that. I would argue I'm not a matchup guy. And, and the, like the, the, all I know is that if a former NBA player or NFL player plays his former team, you'd have to be out of your mind to bet an under on a player prop. That's, that's, that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. And it makes a lot of sense. If I'm thinking back, like if you played like in the corporate challenge and you played a former employer of yours, imagine how ready you'd be to go 
in a like a charity basketball game or something. Right. I, I don't mean the matchup. I just mean from a psychology standpoint or just a, I don't know if game theory is the right way to put it. We're like, you know, golf is going to obviously it's, it's playoffs. So you don't need the motivation, but golf, you know, Hey, you, you traded me McVay. I want to get back at you, but McVay knows, Hey, I had golf. I drafted him. I know what he likes. I know what he doesn't like. So maybe that favors McVay in a spot like this. I'm not sure. I don't know either. I'm yes. um, it's, I, I'm much more mathematically driven. So I, I struggle actually and stuff like that. Uh, and then Eagles bucks Eagles were up to three at DraftKings. total 44. Is this just, you'd play the number and if it's under three, you take Philly. And if it's three or above, you'd take Tampa or you're looking at Tampa in the teaser. What's your thought process this game? What is that movie rounders? Nit, nit, not tonight. Not never again. Eagles. Yeah. He tricked me with all that 10 and one crap. Check, check, win, win, win. It's like Eagles can't play a lick. Come on. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to play Tampa plus three, or we're going to tease Tampa. Not that Tampa's any good. Tampa's an average team. I'm not sure the Eagles aren't just an average team as well. Yeah, and Tampa, man, you're going to look at that final score. People didn't watch say, oh, 9 nothing. Tampa dominated. Carolina could have easily covered, won that game. Shark with the play that drives both of us nuts where he fumbles at the one where there's no reason to stretch the ball out. Then they miss a field goal. They get another touchdown call back. I mean, Carolina could have easily beaten Tampa. I agree. And Tampa Baker could barely move by the end of that game. He looks so immobile, limping at the, at the sidelines. So, you know, I, I'll say this. Talk about unfair. Whoever wins this game, I believe, well – I believe that they cannot tie because it's a playoff game. So somebody's got to win Monday night football. They're going to get destroyed the next week on a short week, right? Yes. I mean, I'm, it's probably, let's assume the lions win. We're looking at lions, Cowboys and we'll assume Dallas wins. And then it's the, the winner of this game would play San Francisco on a short week. Good luck with that. Especially San Francisco playoff revenge. If it's Philly. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even think they should show up. That game's that, that game's done so. Yes. I agree. Um national title game tonight. Michigan laying five total fifty-six. Any thoughts, Leans? Yeah, I just caught the bear, our friend uh Chris Felica, and he he brought up a great point that always applies. In national championship games, it brings a lot of recreational betters. And if they're betting Washington, they're gonna be a square ball, they're just gonna bet Washington to win the game. So what happens is that if you're gonna bet the side. You're, you should bet Washington plus the five and a half. That's the better value. But right at post, it won't surprise me if, if we don't see a money line. I see DraftKings, for instance, has a minus 198. Hey, a local book in Vegas, shocker, Treasure Island has a money line minus 180. Think about that. If I told you there was a minus 180, you could bet anywhere on a five and a half point um, college football game. You'd say that that's crazy. That can't be right. But there it is. Um, I mean, they'll probably take $500, but they won't be alone. There'll be uh, several other books. I know DraftKings is minus 198. So Moneyline Michigan, Washington plus five and a half. We'll wait for a plus six. We're in the middle of it. Start the year 2-0. and End the year 2-0. and What's the best? What's what's the price you wouldn't play on Michigan Moneyline? Like I'm seeing minus 205 right now at DraftKings. What's what's the number? It, where it has to go? start with a, a, a 1-9. Minus 1-9 something. I agree. Um. How about, we'll just get away from the games for a minute. A lot of people hear how successful you are and, hey, I want to be like Fez. I want to win like Fez does. What is your typical day like? You wake up and you do what? Like, what does what your normal day consist of? Oh, it's all different. It depends. Um, I know people around the country, so if I can get my butt out of, out of um, early, I should be betting by 6, 10 a.m. No secret. There's plenty of, of winning services, releasing plays, anywhere from 6.20 a.m. to 7 a.m. And these guys will turn a profit if you can get their numbers, which is almost impossible to do unless you have enough outs and you're motivated. 
But um, what's interesting, and I'll use one as an example, right angle sports, for instance, if you can get a right angle sports release and he says, go ahead and play Quinnipiac over 140, that's a good bet. But guess what? It's not a good bet. They'll disagree with me, but they're wrong. Um, it, it's not a good bet over 143. The market will, in, if anything, overreact to it. So like if they send me an email, I don't care who they like, irrelevant, like five minutes later. But if I can get their number as they're releasing, it's like the stock market is a great example where, you know, you can you, you buy Blue Star Airlines at 16. Well, if it suddenly goes to 18 and a half, well, then it's no good anymore. And you got to move on. So so the number one thing, piece of advice I'd give to everyone is that if you're going to win sports betting, you have to have significant closing line value. And by that, I, I don't just mean laying 16 when the line's 16 to 16 and a half. I mean, you got to beat the closing line on average by more than half a point. And if you do that, you're going to win. And if you don't do that, you're going to lose. And I know people will disagree with me, but um, the vast majority of sports books, um, when the sharp sports books will indeed agree with me that that's how they profile winners, not by how many bets they won. I mean, look look at the, um, if, if you look at, at the circa millions, there's a ton of guys that hit over 65% this year. Over under in those guys going forward, 53%. There's so much luck and variance but beating the closing number is all that really, really matters long-term. With playoffs, regular season's over, there's fewer games. Are you going to focus more on like the, the niche markets, the player props, game props? Are you going to, how does your betting volume, your betting diet change here now that it's playoffs post to regular season? Yeah, I have to start doing more basketball. I'm on the wrong coast for player props and the like. It's so sparse what's offered other than the Super Bowl and Obviously, the FanDuel's and the DraftKings of the world aren't in Vegas, and so it's just really difficult for me to get anything down. And frankly, uh, it, they have all these books have a betting model that discourages winning. Um, so, if you're a guy that's playing really good bets against them, you're going to get limited to the point where you can't play anymore, and then it's almost like well, you probably already signed up your second cousin and his wife and three other people in New York to, you know, to be able to bet, you know, significant amounts. And frankly, that's, it's disappointing because I can tell you as a professional better, it gets to the point where you become so limited that you get frustrated. No secret. Like I can't bet anything against the South point. Why well, assure you, you know, the South point would do better off if they just let me go in and make my bets instead of like angering me to the point where like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send everybody and his uncle in I, I won't make a, a, any qualms about it that uh, I'm gonna encourage the South Point to each and every one of my friends in Las Vegas to uh, play poker there spend all their time there and bet like crazy against them. Uh, Vegas hacks for people a lot of people go to Vegas maybe once a year once every few years hey it's expensive I don't know where the deals are what would be a little crash course on some hacks some deals how to do Vegas right and how to you know save some money where to go where to eat things like that. All right, go to a craps table, a busy one on a Saturday night, buy in for $8,000, don't play, super um, like a $25 or higher limit, and basically make bet the pass on it, don't pass, take your odds, but most of the time just sit out, drink for free, have a great time, order the high end, the highest end vodka that, you know, that they'll bring you. Periodically, whenever you go to the bathroom, make sure you take your chips with you. When you come back, bring back most of your chips, maybe not all of them. And so at the end of the evening, it'll look like you lost $2,000 when you pretty much broke even. You drank for free all night long and then cry for a comp because you got hammered for a $2,000 loss. It works. It doesn't work as well at the most premium places, but like downtown, you're playing at um, 
like the the four queens or a place like that, I assure you, they don't have enough big betters that um, they're not looking to take care of someone who drops a thousand dollars or more betting. How about where where to eat, where to go, anything like that? Any recommendations? Any do's, don'ts? Yeah, um, don't eat on the strip and pay inflated prices. Don't go to casino bars. Go to any casino bar other than like the win and just put a hundred dollars into the slot. And then you can, you don't even have to be playing the machine, hit it once or twice on video poker and you can drink for free. Um, Ellis Island is a local favorite. They have a great barbecue. They have a great um, coffee shop where you can get a good meal for $15. They say there are no more deals in Vegas. The South point between midnight and 6 AM steak and eggs, six ninety-five. Um, there's um, there's still great deals to be had in Vegas. If you know where to look. Last one before we get you out of here, I, I heard you give out this advice, maybe the sharpest piece of advice you've ever given out, how to order optimally at McDonald's. And I know you're not, I don't think you're a McDonald's app guy. I've heard the app is good, but there's a way to ensure your fresh, your, your food is fresh. What is that? Yeah. So never, ever say, uh, I'll get a Big Mac because you're going to get a 15 minute old Big Mac that's all soggy and disgusting. So go ahead and customize your order and uh, say no pickle, say something, say fries, no salt. Bring salt with you if you like salt, because that way you'll get freshly made salt. Uh, and one of my hacks I like to do is I'll do I'll do a, a double um, cheeseburger and then I'll say uh, Big Mac style. So they'll put the Big Mac sauce on it. They make it fresh and they don't have that that bun in the middle. It's just disgusting and too much bread on the sandwich. As you're the best. Appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah. So um, uh, at uh, Fezzik Sports on Twitter, I only sell at pregame.com. If you're buying from me, on a website with my picture on it. That's not me. You're being scammed. So uh, just go, go, go to Twitter. All right, Fez. Appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again real soon. This was a lot of fun. So um, appreciate it. And uh, good luck this week. Very good. By the way, if you want to really win, play blackjack or poker. Those are very beatable games that um, the amount of time it would take you to get good at chess would be years. You can get good at those games in months. Learn to play those games if you want to win. Yep. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Fez. Thank you. All right, before we get out of here, national title game, time to give my pick. Michigan laying five, total 56. Total does look a little high. I would lean towards the under. Maybe I'll play the under two. But my bet here is Michigan. I think Michigan gets it done. It is terrifying laying points against Penix. Those receivers are incredible. The play calling, they are really good on offense. I just think Michigan wears them down and leans on them. I, I just I can't remember. And again, the five makes a difference, but I can't see Washington winning this game. I just can't remember a team in my lifetime winning a championship with a defense as soft, as shaky as Washington. This is still a team that almost lost to Stanford, almost lost to Arizona State. I just think Michigan's so much bigger up front. Washington's just very small uh, along the defensive line. And I think the plan here for Michigan put together six, seven, eight minute drives, long drives, eat the clock, keep Penix on the sideline. Ideal, you have a seven, eight minute drive for a touchdown. You get a three and out, and you have another seven minute drive, and you look up in real time. Penix is only thrown the ball three times or had three plays in an hour of real time. So I think Michigan gets done here. I, I, again, I would lean towards an under. I think Michigan, something like 34 20. Washington's going to get their points. I just, I don't know that Washington has a path for slowing down Michigan. So I would expect Michigan to win. Harbaugh sounds like he's going to ride off into the sunset. And go coach the Chargers, go coach the NFL. He's he's really not done much to deny it in these interviews. So sounds like that's the case. And his legacy would look a lot different with a win tonight as opposed to a loss. So uh, I think Michigan gets it done. Should be a good game. I wouldn't expect a blowout. I wouldn't expect another Georgia TCU like last year. But there is a little TCU with Washington where it's just, man, they survive these games more so than dominate them. So 
lay the five with Michigan. I also like the under. Maybe I'll play both of them. I do think they're correlated too. If Michigan wins, it's it's their style of game. They grind the clock. They slow the game down. 56 points is a lot to get to. So those are the picks for tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Steve Fezzik. Don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe. You guys have been doing a good job with that. So keep it up. We'll be back end of the week. Talk more NFL. See you guys then.